Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We commit ourselves into your hands. We ask, O oh God, that you speak through my lips today and be a blessing unto your people. In Jesus' mighty name, and let everybody say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Clap unto the Lord again. And you may be seated. All right. Turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, reading from verse 19. Luke chapter 16, reading from verse 19. Now, last week, Wednesday, I started sharing with you on the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And we didn't finish. And so I want to complete that tonight. Is it okay with you? Yes. Oh, only some of you said yes. It is okay with you all. All right. And so Luke chapter 16, reading from verse 19. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he's here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here. And no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers. And I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. 
The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Hallelujah. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Right. So this is the famous parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And I have explained to us that every parable that Jesus shared has a central decisive point. And anytime you hear of any of the parables of Jesus or you read about any of the parables of Jesus, it is important that you try and identify what is the central message or what is the key note or what is the main point that Jesus is bringing out through the parable. Now, Jesus is the greatest teacher who ever walked the earth. And the proof is in the fact that many of the things he taught, we can still remember them. And this is more than 2,000 years after he appeared on the scene of this earth. One of the reasons why we remember a lot of his teachings was because often he used parables. It wasn't every time that he used parables. So don't also make the mistake of thinking that Jesus used parables all the time. So for example, if you look at the Beatitudes, what you read about in Matthew chapter 5 and then a lot of the teachings that followed in Matthew chapter 6 and chapter 7, there really wasn't any parable there except at the tail end of it where he talked about the rich, the wise man who built on the sand and on the rock and then the foolish man who built on the sand. So in all those verses, about 107 verses, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, it is only in four of the verses that he used a parable. So we should also not think that Jesus Christ used parables all the time. All right? Otherwise, we, 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 we can form a ritual and a doctrine out of this and say that every time we are preaching, we must always use parables. You know how we are. When we hear one thing, no, we want to run <laughs> with it. So it is important to establish that point that Jesus did not always teach using parables. However, there are many instances where he used parables and parables are like illustrations and stories that are supposed to buttress a certain truth that he was talking about. You know, so parables help us to understand things better. And I think that there's something else about the parables of Jesus. Even if you don't understand what he's saying, at least you remember the story with the hope that one day you will understand what he was trying to say. Alright? So there's a good reason why these parables are important. 
and to really know Jesus well, know the things that he taught well, to really understand the, the, the kingdom of God and the principles of the kingdom of God and the things of God, it is important that we understand the parables of Jesus and the key message that he was trying to transmit to us. So after looking at different parables, we have arrived at the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And in this parable, the key point, the central point is that there is life after death. Everybody say there is life after death. Say that again, there is life after death. And that there are only two possible destinations, heaven or hell. Amen. So that is the central point. That is the decisive point of this parable. That there is life after death. And there are only two possible destinations. Destination heaven or destination hell. So Jesus through this parable was opening our eyes into what really happens to a person when he dies. There is a song that I'm sure that you're all familiar with. It's a song that was composed and sung by an Afro rock group called Osibisa. They composed, they, they were very famous in the 1970s. And there's a song that they are well noted for. The title of the song is Wayaya. Alright. Now, what it says in that song is interesting. It says, We are going Heaven knows where we are going We know within Then it goes on to say, We will get there Heaven knows how we will get there. We know we will. Then they continue and say, It will be hard, we know. And the road will be muddy and rough. But we will get there. Heaven knows how we will get there. We know we will. Interesting song that has stood the test of time. I mean, can you imagine it was composed, I think, in 1971 and we are in 2022 and it's still a song that we sing. If it was so popular and especially for us here in Ghana, it was linked to a very popular TV drama show called Osofodazi. Hey, you, you saw some. <laughs> Hey, and <laughs> that's a long time ago. I'm surprised that you even know about it. All right, now it's an interesting song. I don't know what motivated the composition of that song, but it's a song that suggests that life is a mystery. We don't know where we are going, we don't know how we will get there. We don't know when we will get there. But we know that we will get there. So it's, it's, it's a mystery. Where we are going. How we will get there. When we will get there. It may be a song about the mystery of life. But it may also be a song about what happens to a person. 
when he or she dies. Now, what they don't know concerning where we are going, how we will get there, when we will get there, Jesus has explained it in this parable. He's showing us where we are going. And then, he also shows us on another occasion how we will get there. So this parable of the rich man and Lazarus is a very, very important parable that answers the question of what happens to a person after life here on earth and where does a person end up after he or she dies. Hallelujah. So then I shared with you some of the lessons that you can also pick out from this parable. Lesson number one, that life is full of contrasts. Some have so much, others have very little. Life is full of contrast. Some have so much, others have so little. So we see a rich man. He had so much. Had a lot of food to eat. Had nice clothes to wear. Lived a happy life full of good things. Then the contrast is a poor man called Lazarus. Very poor. Who couldn't afford certain things. So that is a story of life here on earth. And it's a contrast. You see there are people who have so much. Then there are others who have so little. My prayer for all of us is that God will bless us with so much. But as he's blessing us with so much, may we have so much and begin to think about others who have so little. Because I tell you, that is the only thing that makes sense out of having so much. Ask yourself, how much food can you eat? Somebody saying in his head that I can eat a lot of food. I can eat a lot of food. And you are talking that way because you are usually hungry. So, so when you are usually hungry, when we pose a question like that, you, your response is, I can eat a lot of food. Do you see? But I assure you, there is a point that the food will not go anymore. You may take purgative or laxative and tell yourself, after I finish eating one bowl, I'm going to take a purgative so that I can purge and come again. Wow, bebre. You will go to the washroom, sir. At the point, you'll advise yourself that. So there is a limit to what you can eat. There is a limit to what you can wear. There is a limit to how many cars you can drive. How many beds can you sleep on? If you build a 13 bedroom house, meanwhile, your family is just you, your wife, and your two children. Ask yourself, and a year then, look, I can show you houses, big houses, houses that were top of the range. At the time that they were built. 
But nobody lives in those houses today. And so you begin to ask yourself that, what is the use of it? That's what I'm explaining to you. That if you want to prosper, it must be because you also want to do a lot of good with the prosperity that God brings your way. But if your prosperity is just about having a lot of things to hoard and be able to proudly point out the number of cars you have. You have a red Range Rover. You had a green Mercedes Benz. You have a yellow Land Cruiser. You have an orange Nissan Patrol. You have a brown, which is one of the, what, what car do you want to drive? Jaguar. Brown Jaguar. Then you have a black Bugatti. <laughs> a black Bugatti. Lamborghini. Alright, no problem. The question you should ask yourself is that, honestly, if you think deeply about these things, you realize that the only thing that makes sense out of riches and wealth and prosperity is to be able to improve somebody's life. I don't know which rich man it was. A billionaire, one of the richest people in the world. I, I can't really remember who it was. But I read a story about him. That he was very rich. And at a point he decided that he needed to use his riches to affect a lot of lives. And to bless the lives of other people. So somebody told him about a project where they produce wheelchairs for um, crippled children. And on one of the occasions, he went along with them to distribute the wheelchairs. When he finished the ceremony and was going, one of the little boys, I'm sure he was in his wheelchair, rode up to him and looked, and looked intensely into his face. Now, this rich man thought that the little boy wanted something extra. So he asked him that, what, what do you want? What can I do for you? And the boy explained to him, I, I don't want anything more. I, I, but I want to really know your face well. So that when we get to heaven, I can look for you. It's awesome, isn't it? So that when I get to heaven, I can actually look for you. So, there is very little that compares with the satisfaction you derive from doing something great that affects somebody else's life. I'm telling you. When you do something for somebody and that thing transforms the person's life and changes the person's life greatly, there's nothing that compares to that feeling. So my prayer for all of us is that God will prosper us and cause us to have much in this life. But at the back of our mind must be the thought that whatever I have, the much that God gives to me, I will use it to improve the lives of many people in, around me. Can I have an amen, somebody? Is it a good idea? Mm -hmm. Lesson number two. The poor always seem to be at the mercy of the rich. That's one of the lessons you can pick from this story 
from this parable that the poor always seem to be at the mercy of the rich. Because here we had Lazarus. He used to go and perch at the gate of the rich man close to where his dining room was. And I don't know, his dining room, maybe the floor had spaces. So some of the food that he ate would drop through and that's how he would get something to eat. So if the rich man is not eating, it means that the poor man is not eating. So that's one of the unfortunate things about this life. The poor always seem to be at the mercy of the rich. Lesson number three. When you are very poor, you may not even be able to take care of your basic needs. When you are very poor, you may not even be able to take care of your basic needs. Now, in this story, Lazarus, his body was full of sores. He couldn't afford plaster. He couldn't afford junction violets. He couldn't afford a bomb belt. Open their bomb belt and pour the powder into his soul. Have you done some before? <laughs> he couldn't afford those things. So that's one of the things about being very poor. Basic things. And there are some basic things that a person should be able to have in this life. So that it can give you some dignity. Food. Clothes, shelter, basic things. But I tell you, the poor of the poor, even these basic things, they don't have them. That is why you shouldn't also be complaining too much. Always crying, I don't has, I don't has. What do you mean by you don't has? You has. <laughs> you has. You have a place to sleep, don't you? Your roommate is very annoying, but at least you have a place to sleep. It is better than sleeping in front of a kiosk somewhere. How many of you have annoying roommates that you have quarreled with before? Evelyn, you won't lift your hand. Have you not quarreled with your roommate before? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I cry. Yeah, because you, my, 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 especially my daughters are greenhouse. I hear sometimes you quarrel among yourself, and the quarrel can get so heated. That somebody can decide that if this person is coming to church, I won't come to church. Oh! <laughs> Very childish. Very childish. You know? But I'm telling you something. Yes, you don't have everything that you want. But when we are talking about the poor of the poor, <laughs> even the basic things, they cannot afford. So be grateful to God. And learn to count your blessings and name them one by one. And when you do, it will surprise you what the Lord has done in your life. Can I have an amen from somebody? Lesson number four. No situation on this earth is permanent. Let this be an encouragement to you. That no situation on this earth is permanent. The earth itself is transient. It's not going to be here forever. A time will come when the old heavens and the old earth will disappear. And everything in them will also disappear. And I want you to encourage yourself with this statement that I just made. That no situation on this earth is permanent. Well, in the case of Lazarus, the Bible says finally he died. <laughs> so his situation was not permanent. And following the story of his life, he ended up in a beautiful place called heaven. I want to say to you. That it is not going to take you dying before things change for you. By the grace of God, you will see improvement in your life. 
by the grace of God, you will see a change in your circumstances. By the grace of God, things will get better for you. By the grace of God, you will arrive at a major turning point of your life when things will begin to work for you. Shout a loud amen in faith. Hallelujah. Number five, when you die, your body is what is buried, but the real you, your spirit, lives on. When you die, your body is what is buried, but the real you, which is your spirit and your soul, lives on. So that's another lesson that we can derive from this parable. That when you die, your body is what is buried, but the real you, which is your spirit and your soul, it lives on. Number six. Why have you not put up point number five? Please be proactive. Number six, your spirit either goes to heaven or hell, period. <laughs> your spirit either goes to heaven or hell, period. So the point number five is when you die, your body is what is buried, but the real you, your spirit or your soul lives on. Because the real you, the real you, Emeka, well, it's not Emeka I'm seeing. Oh! My dear friend at the back, you look like a son of mine called Emeka. He's also very tall. <laughs> but the real you is a spirit. So when you die, your body is what remains behind, is what is buried. But it's not the end of your life. You live on. Alright? And you, 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 you are not like a goat when it dies. When a goat dies, it is dead. When a chicken dies, it is dead. When a cat dies, it is dead. Although they say a cat has nine lives. But when it dies, it is dead. But when a human being dies, his spirit lives on. His spirit lives on. This Friday, coming Friday, or Chinichi Friday, I have a task to perform. I have to go to the mortuary and go and organize the body of my elder sister to work with the undertaker. I'm not going to do the work with him, but I mean, I have things to do there. And I'm the one who has to go and do those things. So I have to go there. She died, you know, some weeks ago. And the funeral is this Saturday. And I'm not looking forward to the experience. I don't think it's an experience that I'll enjoy. But somebody has to do it. So I have to do it. But you see, the, what will help me to go through that experience is my understanding that what we are going to carry from the mortuary to the family house in Medina is just the shell. The real person that I knew as my elder sister, she's gone out of her body. And I believe that she's in heaven because she had a relationship with Jesus. I believe so. 
So the real, my real sister, she was called Kate. The real Kate is gone. Her spirit is moved on. And the part of her that we are going to bury, that we are going to put in the ground, is just a body, it's just a shell, it's just a container. That is why when you are living here on earth, don't live your life as if all there is to life is what you see here on earth. It's a mistake. There's a need for us to think about what happens to us when we eject out of this world. Because the real you cannot die. Cannot die. It lives on. And depending on your relationship with Jesus, it either ends up in heaven or it ends up in hell. So we must think about these things. Hallelujah. And please, get this right. You are either going to heaven or you are going to hell. There is no waiting area. There is no purgatory. There is no transit. Because if you are traveling from here to London and you decide to go with Air Portugal, and yet then you pass through Lisbon in Portugal before you get to, to, to the UK before you get to London so there's a, a, a waiting period a layover period and sometimes it can run into hours but there's also a straight flight if you travel with British Airways from Accra it doesn't pass anywhere it goes to London there are two trains that we are all traveling on as we speak currently I'll talk a bit about that as we move on but it's either going to heaven or it's either going to hell. There's, there's no <laughs> transit point. So we must understand that your spirit either goes to heaven or hell, period. Number seven, those who make it to heaven will arrive in grand style. But those who go to hell, they will do so without ceremony. <laughs> because the Lazarus, he was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom which is another description for heaven alright he was carried there angels carried him but the rich man he, nobody, we don't hear about anybody carrying. maybe demons carried him or he arrived without ceremony when he came to himself he was in, 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 in hell and in torment but as for Lazarus he was carried by the angels I'm sure with singing and with rejoicing as he arrived at heaven there was a lot of happiness and he was being cheered on. That is what I believe. Number eight. Hell is a place of torment. Hell is a place of torment. And by the grace of God, none of us will end up there in the name of Jesus. Alright. Because the rich man, when he was in hell, he complained that I am in anguish in these flames. So it's fire. Fire that never dies. Fire that is never quenched. Torment you, so you are burning, but you are not dying. So, hell is a terrible place that we must avoid by all means. Number nine, you retain certain basic senses and feelings when you die. You retain certain basic senses and feelings when you die. Like you can see, you can hear, you can talk. You can feel. Probably you can smell. You can feel happiness. 
you can feel sadness. These are emotions and they are also senses that you will retain when you die. And it's important to appreciate, you know, these things. But there are other feelings that you will not have. So, for example, that would be the end of our sexual things. Are you happy about that? <laughs> that would be the end of all these sexual things. When you see something small, then things are happening in your body. All those things, it will be over. That's why in heaven, there's no marriage. Do you see? Do you see? So, we must flow and be happy whilst we are here on earth. So somebody should tell my wife that if she thinks that look at me as I'm preaching if she thinks that you are going to be married to me in heaven unfortunately there's nothing like that. Eh? What did you say? <laughs> she says I should marry her well. I have heard. I don't know what else you are looking for. So there are certain feelings that will no longer be there. Alright? That's why. So the point that she made is a good point. Enjoy it whilst it lasts. Because there is a place where these things are no longer entertained. Hallelujah. Then number 10. Hell is a terrible place where even a drop of water is a luxury. <laughs> Hell is a terrible place where even a drop of water is a luxury because the rich man was begging for just a drop of water have you ever been thirsty before when you ask someone can you give me a drop of water nobody does that but it appears that when you are in that terrible place called hell even a drop of water is a luxury that's why we must not go there amen Number 11, never ever forget that the tables have a way of turning. Never ever forget that the tables have a way of turning. Once upon a time, the rich man was enjoying on earth and Lazarus was the one who was suffering. But now the tables have turned. Lazarus is now was now enjoying and the rich man was suffering. It would be better to suffer here on earth and to enjoy in heaven than to enjoy on earth and to suffer in hell. The best arrangement will be to enjoy both on earth and in heaven. By the grace of God, may you have a good life on earth and may you have a good life in heaven as well. Hallelujah! But don't ever forget that the tables have a way of turning. And last week I gave you a piece of advice. That when things are working out for you, when you are in a place of privilege, when you are blessed, always remind yourself that it is by the grace of God. 
And during that season of your life, do a lot of good. Help a lot of people. Sow good seeds. Because the tables have a way of turning. This is something that politicians often forget. And so when they are in power, they think that they will be in power forever. As somebody can wear a whole national property to his nephew forever. Yeah. So you see that a lot with politicians. When they are in power, there's a certain arrogance. There's a certain way they carry themselves. The other, way, the other day I was watching one minister, I'll mention her name, as she was giving a speech. As she's saying the thing. I said, hey mommy, it's like you're going to be a minister forever. The answer is no. You won't be. So there's a reason why you must be cool if you are in a place of privilege and if you are in a place of power. And especially if you have somebody in your power, be very careful how you treat that person. Because one day, the tables may turn. If you've lived long enough, you'd have, you'd have recognized this by now, that the tables, they have a way of turning. Today, you may be enjoying. But tomorrow, you may be the one who is in need. Like one guy who went to a, a, a chop bar to go and buy food. Went to buy fufu. They asked him, how much fufu do you want? He said, three cities. They gave him his three cities portion of fufu. They asked him, what soup? Light soup. They asked, how much meat? He said, no meat. <laughs> asked them whether they have that's what they call the introbo on Trobanam. That is the big, big garden eggs. Do you see? Ask whether there's some in the soup. They said there's some. It's not that it's a vegetarian. It's not a vegetarian. Tables have turned. So he collected it. Then when he went to sit by his table, he saw the food of his neighbor. So big fufu. Goat meat, fish, snails, crab, cow, chicken, paconcher. Do you know paconcher? Pig feet, paconcher, pig feet, acrantia, grass cutter, or rodent. That's another story for another day. So his bowl was full, loaded with all the zoo. As he looked into the person's plate, 
and he looked at his own. Then he shook his head. And he remembered that once upon a time, he also used to go to the chamber and when he orders, his plate is like that, his bowl is like that of his friend. He shook his head and said, I have eaten before. In pen. I have eaten before. That was his only consolation. But now the tables have turned. So I'm saying to you, Charlie, try and be cool. Oh. Try and be very cool in this life. Don't be. Don't be. You, you know what I'm saying. I, I don't even know what is the appropriate English word to, but don't be. <laughs> Koti, you see. By the way, Koti is not an English word, but it's an appropriate word. Don't be Koti. Don't be Kuntai. Don't be, give me the more vocabulary. Don't be what? Don't be Barry. Don't be then. What's the name? Bugamotis, whatever it is. <laughs> because the tables have a way of turning. Number 12. Crossing over from one. So that's the next point because we got to number 11. So let's quickly finish. Crossing over from one eternal destination to another. Write down. Crossing, write that down. Crossing over from one eternal destination to another. Is only possible in this life. After this life, it is over. Crossing over from one eternal destination to another is only possible in this life. After this life, it is all over. That's another lesson to learn. From this parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Crossing over from one eternal destination to another is only possible in this life. After this life, it is all over. Look at verse 26 again of Luke 16. Now, the rich man made a request to Abraham. That sent Lazarus to cross over. And bring me water. And I don't need a lot of water. Just a drop. Now Lazarus. Explained to him. I beg your pardon. Abraham explained to the rich man. That it is not possible. And this is one of the things. He said to him. In verse 26 of Luke 16. He says and besides. There is a great chasm. Or gulf. Or valley separating us no one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there that's what Abraham said to the rich man who made the request send Lazarus to bring me some water Abraham said it is not possible it's not possible. You can't cross over. And this is because now they were dead. Or they had arrived at, 
in, in a season of their lives where it's not possible to cross over. And I'm explaining to you that the only time that you can cross over, there are only two destinations. Destination heaven, destination hell. The only time that you can cross over from one place to the other is when you are alive here on earth. Once you die, that is it. There's no crossing over. It is possible. So, as we speak now, everybody on the face of the earth is heading in either one or the other of these two destinations. Everybody. What's the population of the world now? You don't know. Check it. Maybe we are more than 7 billion. I'd like to know what the problem because it's been, it was 6 billion for a long time. But I don't know what it is now. So check for me. The population. Everybody on the face of the earth. Whether an adult. Whether a child. Including a baby that is born today. Is on a train. There are two trains. And all of us are in one. 7.753 billion people on earth. This is the latest statistic. In the Ekekako, 8 billion people on the face of the earth. Every single one of the 8 billion is on a train going somewhere. I mean, not an actual train, an imaginary train going somewhere. And the destinations are only two. Heaven or hell. Every one of us. So as we are alive here on earth, we are traveling somewhere. Osibisa says, says, heaven knows where we are going. I'm showing you where we are going. It's either we are going to heaven or we are going to hell. Now, whilst we are here on earth, it is possible to switch from this train to the other train. That is why we mustn't take our salvation for granted. Because there were people who were once saved and they lost their salvation. They've rejected Jesus. Look, one of the things that really pained me, recently I was looking at a certain musician. He composed a beautiful song, gospel song. A song that has been a blessing to many people, including myself. He got to a point, he said that he doesn't believe in this Christian thing anymore. He doesn't. I don't want to mention his name, the song, and all of that. I don't want to go into that. But I'm talking about a beautiful song that 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 topped the charts that many people loved. Today he says he thinks that all those things are not are not real. And he's even questioning the, the fairness of God. Yeah. I'm explaining to you that you can cross over. So you may be on a train going to heaven, but if you lose God, you may end up now on the train going to hell. Or you may actually be on a train going to hell. 
But if you meet Jesus and you surrender your life to him, immediately by a miraculous means, you are transferred from the train that is going to hell onto the train that is going to heaven. And ladies and gentlemen, once upon a time, that is what happened to all of us. We were all on the train going to hell. And then Jesus came our way. We believed in him. Accepted his message. Accepted his sacrifice. Accepted his offer. And when we did, we were translated from that train that was going to hell to that train that was going to heaven. So that transfer, it is only possible when you are alive on earth. That is why the Bible says today when you hear his voice, harden not your heart. The time for transfer and switching from one train to the other train is now. But the time comes when you die, if you are dead, there's no way you can switch. So it's a very serious thing we are talking about here. Hallelujah. Number 13. The time to be concerned about others is now in this life. The time to be concerned about others is now in this life. That's when you should be concerned about others. Then the next point, 14. The time to do the work of God and to win souls is now in this life. The time to do the work of God and to win souls is now in this life. So the 13th point, the time to be concerned about others is now in this life. And the 14th point, the time to do the work of God and to win souls is now in this life. Luke 16, 27 to 28. Then the rich man said, please father Abraham, at least send him to my father's house, to my father's home. For I have five brothers. So now he's thinking about others. He says, I have five brothers. And I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Now that the rich man was in hell, he was thinking about others. Now that the rich man was in hell, he was thinking about evangelism. He was thinking about soul winning. But it was too late. So the time to think about others... And the time to win souls is now. And that is why when there is an effort by the church to reach out to the lost, to do outreaches and evangelism, to do crusades, you must participate in it. Because the time to do those things is now. If you leave this earth and you stand before God, you can't ask for extra time to go back to win souls and to think about others. It doesn't work out like that. And in the case of the rich man, it was too late for him. Now he's thinking about his brothers. But this is what Abraham explained to him. Verse 29. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. Look at verse 30 and 31. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead... Then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. 31. And he, Abraham, said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither would they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. What are we seeing here? 
The 15th point, the word of God is all we need to guide us in this life. The word of God is all we need to guide us in this life. Number 16, spectacular encounters do not always work. Spectacular encounters do not always work. So the 15th point, the word of God is all we need to guide us in this life. Number 16, spectacular encounters do not always work. And number 17, if the word of God doesn't persuade you about this life and its aftermath, nothing else will. If the word of God doesn't persuade you about this life and its aftermath, nothing else will. If the word of God doesn't persuade you about this life and its aftermath, nothing else will. So the rich man says to Abraham, send Lazarus back to the earth to go and warn my brothers to tell them to change so they don't come to where I am. But it was too late. And we can see Abraham explained to him that they have the prophets and they have the law. That's what he said to them. They need to hear Moses and the prophets. Now, Moses and the prophets is referring to the word of God. Because under the old covenant, when we talk about the word of God, it's the writings of Moses and the prophets. So, Abraham was explaining to the rich man that your brothers, they have the word of God. And the rich man was insisting that no, it's not the word of God they need. They need somebody to rise from the dead. Then when they see that person, they will change. He explained to him that there's a point when spectacular things don't work. If the word of God won't convince you today, nothing else will convince you. Because people have a way of explaining away everything. Oh, Omo Bwa. Omo dying. He didn't really die. They said he was dead, but he was not dead. So you may think that if somebody arrives, you know, from the dead to come and tell you that heaven is real and hell is real, you think that everybody will believe? Everybody will not believe. Because there are some people, no matter what they do, what you do, they will not believe. So what God has given us to guide us and direct us is Moses and the prophets or the word of God. And that is what has been given to us. So we must allow the word of God to guide us and direct us in this life. And I want to encourage you. Stick with the word of God. Stick with the word of God. Don't go chasing signs and wonders. Don't go chasing spectacular works. Stick with the word of God because there is safety in it for every one of us. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not out of word. It's just time. Rise to your feet and let us close. Hallelujah. So that brings us to the end of the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Shall we pray? We are thankful to you, Father, for tonight and thankful to you for the word that has come forth. We pray that may the main point and the lessons in this parable always remain with us and guide us as we live our lives. I pray, Father, may we constantly remind ourselves of the reality of heaven and the reality of hell. Help us, O oh God, to avoid hell and to make it to heaven. And help us also to work with you so that we can depopulate hell and increase the population of heaven. We are grateful to you for this lesson that you taught us, Lord Jesus, through this parable. We give you thanks and praise 
in Jesus' mighty name. And let everybody say, Amen. Give Jesus a mighty hand clap, my friends. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.